got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's going on? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, and uh, tragically, sadly, unfortunately, there was a basketball game last night. It did not go well for KU. We're going to be talking about that at length on today's show. Coming up later on this hour, we'll be joined by Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports. Also going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty coming up later on in the 4 o'clock hour. Going to hear from Bill Self after the game. Going to hear from Hunter Dickinson and Nick Timberlake after the game as KU falls to Texas Tech. RCSD, of course, as always, is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. So Kansas goes down to Lubbock, and they get absolutely pantsed by Texas Tech. 79-50, to Kansas falls on the road. Jayhawks now 19-6 overall, 7-5 in the Big 12. And uh, Texas Tech gets a big win at home against KU in a game in which Kansas was shorthanded once again. No Kevin McCuller. Dewan Harris, clearly not 100%, but he was actually moving better than maybe what I thought he would. But uh, and in the end, Kansas just really couldn't get anything going. This was a, a tough one to watch from start to finish. A tough one to to stomach, I think, overall. As uh, KU, it was just a, the game was just an absolute disaster, really, <laughs> right from the start. Texas Tech comes out firing from triple, and they were very hot from three. I uh, talked about it on yesterday's show. Baylor has been the best three-point shooting team in the conference in terms of the overall season. But if you look specifically at conference-only games, Texas Tech had actually been shooting the ball at the best in the conference, and it showed in this game against KU as uh, they were red-hot early. If you actually look at their – they fin- Texas Tech finished the game 10 of 26 from three, which really doesn't sound that bad. But then when you consider the fact that they started the game 7 for 7, and then uh, you realize, okay, yeah, not good. Not good at all. Kansas got, to, got knocked around early, and they just – Unfortunately, just didn't have the response. Whether it was, whether it was just fatigue, whether it was you know a lack of depth, which certainly played into it. But KU was just they were just unable to get back up. They were just unable to get back up and, and push and push back in this game. Uh, Darian Williams went off for Texas Tech, thirty points, twelve of twelve from the floor, four of four from three. He had a fantastic game for Texas Tech. And coming into this game. You might have thought that Texas Tech might have a guy go off, and you might look at a guy like Pop Isaacs, or you might even look at a guy like uh, Kerwin Walton, who's been a, a really good three-point shooter so far this season for them. But uh, instead it was Darius, Darian Williams, who now has uh, been performing really well for Texas Tech lately. Um, but certainly nothing to that level. Uh, Williams, by the way, he hadn't made more than six field goals in a game all season, and he doubled that in this game against Kansas, going 12-12. of And, of course, the four of four from three. So, just a a really tough game, and, and a lot to kind of a lot to kind of talk through here. Off the top, though, I, I just I want to reiterate this point that I had believed 
going back to November. It turns out that I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say Kevin McCuller is the most important player on this team uh, because without him, it it's it's a lot different. And I, I know Dewan Harris wasn't hundred percent, but but Kevin McCuller, I think it it's been proven now he's kind of the main engine of this team. I think so. Uh, without him on the floor against Texas Tech, and man, those Texas Tech fans they they wanted him. They wanted him out there. Uh, they wanted him out there pretty badly, actually, later in the game. But, yeah, I think I'm willing to stake my claim at this point that I don't think there's any question Kevin's the most important player on the team just in terms of, of bringing it all together for KU. Uh, obviously, Hunter Dickinson does what he does, although he did not do what he normally does in this game, which we'll get into a little bit more here. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Kevin McCuller, it's safe to say, probably the most important player uh, on this team just in terms of, of what he brings and he was sorely missed, sorely missed. But, I mean, well, let's just face the facts, though. If Kevin McCuller is 100% in playing in this game, I don't know that that changes the outcome. Uh, Texas Tech was playing very, very well. Kansas looked tired. Texas Tech looked energized. And, and, and again, I mean, it's uh, – I think you're, you're kind of at a crossroads with this team right now for Kansas where it's – if you continue to lose games in this fashion on the road or whatever – and you continue to say, well, you know, it's it's a depth issue. The, the guys are worn down. They're tired. You can use that, but in a game like this, I don't think it would have mattered. I think Texas Tech would have won anyways. Kansas just didn't have it. Texas Tech did. So, I don't know. There was a few moments in the game where Kansas was able to push back a little bit. Um, most, notably, most notably in the first half, Kansas down 24-14. And, you know, it felt like maybe they'd weathered the initial storm. And uh, they get a steal, actually. They get a steal in the in the uh, backcourt from El Marco Jackson. But then Dewan Harris and El Marco Jackson were not on the same page in transition. Dewan Harris throws it literally directly to Texas Tech, and it leads and it leads five seconds later into a transition three from Walton uh, for Texas Tech. And then uh, KU made another push towards the end of the first half as well which I thought there was a couple interesting things about the end of the first half. Um, number one, the lineup to end the first half was Dewan, Nick Timberlake, Johnny Furfiel, Marco, and KJ. This this season, there's been very, very little time in which it has been, in which you've not seen either Parker Brown or Hunter Dickinson on the floor for KU. It's been pretty minimal possessions where you haven't seen at least one of those guys. KU went to that at the end of the first half. With KJ, El Marco, Johnny, and, and Nick and Dewan. And then actually, Wild Reavers ended up coming in <laughs> at the end of the first half and actually blocked a shot to end the half, which was crazy uh, as well. So that was uh, something that was pretty wild, too, uh, at the end of, right at the end of the half. But yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting note. Uh, Evers gets a block. Shout out, shout out to Wilder Evers, I guess. Uh, Bill Self did say he might play a little bit, did end up playing a, a little bit. And uh, but but yeah, and and Bill Self talked about this post game, which we'll get to Bill Self's audio later on the show. And one of the things that he said, which is pretty common, is you know, hey, listen, it was a it, it was thirty three nineteen at the under four, and if you get it to single digits, it's from a mentality standpoint, it feels like okay, we can take a breath, we have a chance here, right? It, it's one of those it's one of those funny mental block things where it's like, if it's an eleven point game versus a nine point game. That's not that those are pretty close, but a nine point game feels a lot different if you're going into half just because of the fact that, again, it's a single digit lead and you feel like, okay, we can go out and, and, and possibly get back in this game. 
So KU does is able to do that, is able to fight back a little bit, but then it it immediately just gets completely wiped away uh, to to uh, to start the second half. And and Bill Self, I thought it was interesting. Bill Self he made a he made a point in post game to basically say, hey, you know, we didn't have positive momentum really at that point. Uh, we just maybe didn't have negative momentum, but then you did <laughs> at the start of the second half because Hunter couldn't hit a layup and Warren Washington gets a pretty emphatic dunk immediately to set the tone in the second half too. And that, that was kind of uh, the, the uh, another real dagger there for, for Texas Tech in the hearts of KU. And then, of course, Texas Tech goes on another run. Eventually, it gets up to 51-33 with uh, Darian Williams hitting another three to make it 51-33. And at that point, it was, okay, okay, this game, this game's over. <laughs> we, can, we can go ahead and pack it in. Uh, so just a, a really tough performance from KU. They they showed a little bit of fight here and there, but really, this was just a just a good old fashioned ass whooping for 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 lack of a better term. Uh, KU getting pants on uh, on Big Monday, which is uh, tough to see. Certainly tough to see. But then later in the game, you had more drama with uh, with Bill Self getting ejected. Um, later on in the uh, second half, with about five minutes left in the game, Bill Self gets ejected. And uh, he, he actually addressed this in his uh, post-game press conference. I wanted, to, I wanted to play a little bit of a clip of that. Here, here was what Bill Self said about him uh, getting ejected uh, from the game. My perspective was that uh, uh, I, you know, I didn't curse him. I didn't yell. But I did say a, a magic word, I guess, multiple times. They got me a couple of uh, technicals. I, I, I really wasn't trying to get thrown out. Uh, uh, but uh, you know the way things uh, went the game. I, I I honestly feel the game's not being called the way it needs to be called, regardless if it's our favor, their favor. It makes no difference to me. So a couple things there. Number one, said he wasn't trying to get ejected. You know, Bill Self has almost this mystique about him of where anytime he gets a tech or any or I guess this is actually the first time he's been ejected by the way ever at Kansas. But anytime he gets a tech, he has this mystique about him where it's almost like oh. Calculated, right? It's, it's calculated. You know, he meant to do that. He meant to do that. Uh, well, here he very clearly said he was not trying to get ejected, but he did. Um, magic word, I guess you can you can you can leave that one up to your imagination. What the ma- what the magic word or words might have been that he said to to qualify that ejection, but but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's and then the end of that point from Bill Self. I also wanted to highlight with the with the officiating. I've been doing some thinking about this, and when it comes to the officiating. In terms of publicly kind of talking about officiating, there is not many opportunities for coaches to publicly basically air what they really believe about the officiating without probably getting a fine from the conference or something like that. Uh, and so when you think about, but you know, behind closed doors, maybe coaches are possibly you know talking to the league about officiating and whatnot. But in terms of public, and obviously the public is public perception, that's a big deal of what you say publicly versus maybe behind closed doors. If you want to go out and, and try to say something about the officiating, you're probably just going to get fined. So what's another avenue to draw attention and or scrutiny to the officiating? Well, I can't think of a bigger way to do that than during a game, get ejected, right? And this is a, an interesting trend now. Over the last week and a half, we've seen Kelvin Sampson, Scott Drew, and now Bill Self all get ejected from, from games in the last week. Two of those guys, Bill Self and Scott Drew, are two of the longest tenured and probably most respected coaches in this conference. So they've been around the block with the Big 12 officiating. 
And Kelvin Sampson, obviously, has been long-tenured at Houston. And while Houston and Kelvin Sampson are, quote-unquote, new to the Big 12, he's certainly a very well-respected and highly regarded coach. So these are not these are not young, first-year guys who are being hot-headed and getting tossed out. These are veteran coaches in this league that understand how this league works and understand the officiating of this league. And I think that that, that can't be... I don't want to say it can't be a coincidence, but I mean, I think it's pretty clear that behind closed doors, there's probably some conversations being had of, hey, listen, the officiating right now is is not that great. And it would be very easy for the Big 12 to turn a deaf ear to that. And maybe they are. And this is, and potentially this is just another avenue for these coaches to try to get their message across that they don't believe that the officiating is where it needs to be, that they don't believe that it, it needs to be uh, what what it is right now, right? And I think with with Bill Self specifically, obviously Bill Self was not ejected over the specific call, which was a foul against Omar, uh, a foul against Hunter Dickinson, actually an offensive foul against Hunter Dickinson. I, it wasn't it wasn't about that, right? This was I think, and based off of his comments, and you heard a little bit there, and he said he said a little bit more, which we'll get to later on in the show. It's pretty clear that this is a bigger picture thing, that this is you know the ejection was not about. You know, and you go back to Kelvin Sampson, and Sampson even he was Sampson was way more aggressive and way more open in his post game comments, and basically said, "Find me, I don't care, I'm going to say what I want to say." So this is clearly something that I think these coaches feel like needs to be addressed, and the Big Twelve, I would think, evidently is is not addressing that, and so this is kind of the outcome, I suppose, uh, and it puts a lot of pressure on on the on the officials, I guess. But I don't know. I guess Brett. Eh, <laughs> You might want to start taking these guys a little more seriously. I, I don't know, maybe. So that was kind of a a an interesting moment in the game as well. And at Kansas at that point was down twenty one, so it, it it was over. The game the game was over. Uh, and so Bill Self gets ejected. Crowd loves it, obviously. And uh, so they you know go from there. KU ends up losing seventy nine to fifty. Beyond that, I think. Hunter Dickinson is is a guy that has to be under some scrutiny here. He is somebody that kind of was billed as a player from Michigan, a guy that reveled in being the villain, a guy that enjoyed having the spotlight on him, a guy that wants that negative attention and 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 likes it. Well, he's gotten it for sure, and it hasn't gone hasn't gone well. Certainly recently. And in this game, and his his inefficiency and his struggles really culminated in this game. In 30 minutes, 2 of 12 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3, just 5 points and 7 rebounds. This is his first game of the season, scoring in single digits. And this is by far his worst efficiency game also of the season. Or it's his second game scoring in single digits, actually. He had, uh, you go back to the Yale game, he had 8 points in that game back on uh, December 22nd. So just his second game in single digits, but again, by far, by far, his most inefficient game, 2 of 12. And and again, you can even go you can even go as far back as the Iowa State game back on January 27th. 9 of 18 from the floor in that game. Then against Oklahoma State, 8 of 14. Against Houston, 9 of 15. K-State, 8 of 18. Baylor 7 of 19, and now a 2 of 12 against Texas Tech. 
And what's more concerning is a lot of these have been, a lot of these are at the rim. A lot of these shots that he missed, that he's missing are, are at the rim. And then when you look at Hunter Dickinson going two of 12, and then on top of that, you throw in KJ Adams, who also very much struggled at the rim. He was just one of 10. So your two post players go a combined three of 22 from the floor. And again, a majority of that at or near the rim. And when you are a team that already struggles mightily from three and has struggled mightily from three in a number of games this season, you're not going to win any game against any opponent, I don't think, really very often, certainly in the Big 12, when that happens. When your two post players go, it combined three of 22. Kevin McCuller, no Kevin McCuller, I don't think that matters. And that is a real concern because, again, this is now – this is no longer a blip in the radar for Hunter Dickinson. This is now three consecutive games where he's been under 50% from the floor and three consecutive games where he's missed a lot of shots at the rim, where he's missed a lot of, of shots in the post. That is very concerning. Very concerning. And if he if he's gonna if he can't get things going, this could be a tough stretch that becomes into an even longer difficult stretch for Kansas, potentially. Now, on the bright side for Kansas, they have until Saturday to try to figure things out with Oklahoma, and then they are set up to have uh, a week off from Saturday to Oklahoma, then the following Saturday they'll be back against against Texas. And we had a lot of discussions about this stretch of the schedule for KU. We knew how tough it was, right? Houston at K-State, Baylor at Texas Tech. With with the obviously Houston and K State being Saturday Monday and then Saturday Monday again with Baylor and at Texas Tech and Kansas goes two and two in that stretch, which I think if you rewind back to December you would have said, yeah okay two and two in that stretch is probably fine, but when you couple in the fact that you lost at UCF and at West Virginia early in the season earlier in conference play. And you couple in the fact and just kind of the way that these that these losses have unfolded. It's 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 looking pretty pretty grim for the Big Twelve title, certainly. And and again, when when you aren't shooting the ball well from three and you aren't built that way, I just don't know how you're gonna be able to win a game when that happens with Dickinson and KJ Adams. So not ideal. Johnny Perfect finished with 13 points, had a couple nice dunks, Nick Timberlake. Two four from three, 13 points. Not really much else to write. Not really much else to write home about. I mean, this is this is a game where you just turn the page. And there's been some comparisons to of this team to 2018-2019 Kansas, where uh, coincidentally that team also went to Texas Tech and lost by 29, actually 91 to 62. Uh, I think this team is in a better position than that team, assuming Kevin McCuller was able to get healthy and, and come back and play at a high level. You know, that team lost LeGerald Vick and, I mean, lost him in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, and and I have more I have more hope for guys like Johnny Furphy on this team. And I have more – I have higher expectations for K.J. Adams and Dewan Harris. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't love that comparison, but it, it is one that I think, I guess – Considering the fact that this is a you know this is a game where they 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 lose by twenty nine they lost by twenty nine that season too, maybe, maybe, 
And uh, it was pointed out to me by Talina, who is one of our uh, one of our great salespeople here at the station, that uh, in 1988, Kansas struggled in February that year too under Larry Brown, and they went on to to win the national title. And I think that's kind of if you're looking for sort of the silver lining here, the rose colored glasses still right now. I think that's where you have to look. Is okay, yeah. This team they don't have the depth uh, in, in a in a year where the Big Twelve is is somehow tougher than ever which is crazy because every year it feels like you're saying the Big 12 is tougher than ever. In a year where the Big 12 is as tough as it's ever been, they just don't have the depth. They don't have the depth. They don't have the consistency of talent to, to be able to to bring home the, the Big 12 title in the regular season. But, but with Kevin McCuller hopefully coming back at full strength, this team has one of the best starting fives in the country. And I don't think there's any question that they could they could turn things on and, and find a way to, to make a run in the NCAA tournament. But the bottom line coming out of this game against Texas Tech, the Big 12 title is probably out of reach at this point. KU's now 1-5 and five in road conference games. And they still have to play at Oklahoma, at Baylor, and at Houston. I can't say I'm overly confident that KU can go 2-1 and one, or even 1-2 and two in those games. I mean, we know OU has probably the worst or second worst home atmosphere in the Big 12, but Baylor and Houston... Right now, good luck, man. Good luck. So, it is uh, not looking great for the Big 12 title, but again, this is a program, and even Bill Self has alluded to it this season, that uh, he still thinks that this is a team that, that, that can figure things out and make a run in the NCAA tournament. So, we'll see. We'll take a timeout here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. We're going to get to our Pierce Inclusion Hit of the Week coming up next. We're going to be joined by Matt Tate in less than 15 minutes. Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show in the 4 o'clock hour. Also, we'll have a chance to hear from Nick Timberlake and Hunter Dickinson later on in the show, post-game against Texas Tech, and also Bill Self as well after the uh, loss against Texas Tech. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Half past three here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. We're going to be joined by Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports coming up in just about 10 minutes from right now here on RCST. Talk more about Kansas falling against Texas Tech last night, 79-50. to And we also got to get to our Pearson Collision Hit of the Week right now uh, for the KU Hit of the Week brought to you by Pearson Collision. Just like you, Pearson Collision loves to celebrate a great hit in KU football or KU basketball, but in your car, not so much. Quality work every time, Pearson Collision in Lawrence. Well, from a game where you lose by 30 and there wasn't really much to get excited about, a uh, tough one to choose from a, for a hit of the week this week. You know, I mentioned it. Wilder Evers got a block, but like, you know, I don't know, hitting the ball away from the rim. Uh, Johnny Furphy had a couple of dunks going up to hit the rim with the ball and with his hands. I don't know. We, you know, we, we actually we gave it to Wilder Evers last week uh, for his play that he had last week, uh, but I don't really want to give it to him again. But it feels like, you know, Johnny Furphy's actually has not made it on the leaderboard yet. Our basketball leaderboard right now, three for K.J. Adams, two for Kevin McCuller, one for Marco Jackson, one for Nick Timberlake, one for Ernest Uday, and one for Wilder Evers. So I could just give it to Johnny Furphy here just to get him on the board because he's he's been a guy that probably has deserved to be on the board. So uh, we'll go with one of his dunks, I think. He had, he had a dunk actually very early in the game. That was in a great pass and a great play uh, right at the start of the game. When KU was down eight to two, or yeah, eight to four, or eight to two, and Dunky, uh, excuse me, Furphy got a nice dunk 
in the in the paint off of a uh, hundred tickets and pass. So uh, we'll go with that one. We'll go with that one. Uh, Johnny Furphy, put him on the board. Put him on the board. Johnny Furphy's on the board. And when you look at our football standings from the end of the year, it was uh, Austin Booker who had three, J.B. Brown with two, Kobe Bryant with two, Armajo Reed Adams one, Marvin Grant one, Daniel Highshaw one, Jared Casey one, Kenny Logan one, and then Daniel Highshaw assisted by Jalen Catalan, assisted by Jason Bean on the fumble in the Texas game. And right now our basketball leaderboard has K.J. Adams with three, Kevin McCuller with two, Marco with one, Nick Timberlake with one, Ernest Uday with one, Wilder Evers with one, and now Johnny Furphy. On the board, on the board, as part of our Pierce Inclusion hit of the week. Pierce Inclusion knows accidents happen. They understand the stress and pressure. Pearson embodies trusted experience, meticulous repair, and they work with your insurance. Pierce Inclusion Repair, 7th Connecticut in Lawrence, and Pearson is always looking to add to their team of artists. You can get a rewarding career with awesome pay, paid holidays, and weekends off. Pierce Inclusion Repair strives to hire only the best, and they want you to apply if you're committed to excellence, want career growth, and want career growth, come join the award-winning team at Pearson Collision. You can go to the Pearson Collision Repair page on Facebook and apply. All right, we're going to be joined by Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports coming up on the other side. In the 4 o'clock hour, we'll be joined by Kevin Flaherty as well. I have a little bit more uh, Chiefs and Royals talk as the Royals actually unveiled uh, their some stadium renderings. So we'll get to some renderings talk in the 4 o'clock hour also have a chance to hear from uh, Hunter Dickinson and Nick Timberlake. And in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to our KU basketball takeaways and more from Bill Self as well. We'll take a timeout. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. And at this time, we are joined by Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports, who uh, I believe he just got back from uh, from Lubbock, actually, so went out and enjoyed uh, Lubbock, or I guess maybe didn't enjoy Lubbock with how the game went for KU against Texas Tech. Uh, we got Matt. Matt, let's just start with that game against against Texas Tech. Where, where do you think things went wrong for KU? And, and I mean, was that did Texas Tech play so well that KU was just maybe destined to, to lose no matter what there? it's such a hard game to evaluate or be too critical on because obviously the circumstances are what they are. You didn't have Kevin starting or playing, um, you know, you're down to seven scholarship guys that you can use, which was the case against Baylor. But the big difference is obviously one of them, you were at home and the other, you weren't. So I, you know, I kind of thought maybe they would be a little more comfortable and, and just having felt like, felt that vibe of what it's like to play without Kevin. Um, but again, that's, um, that, that's the difficulty of going on the road and doing it there versus doing it at home where everything's more comfortable. So, you know, I think everybody probably knew it sounded like even Bill Self knew, like th- there wasn't a whole high hopes and expectations for coming out of there with a win. I think they, they certainly probably thought they would play better and wish they had played better. Um, and I would imagine, you know, that they're kind of kicking themselves about a lot of things regarding that right now. Um, I, I don't think that it was that they laid down and just didn't want to be there. You know, they, they, they know that they're in this race and they, they know there's a lot on the line and a lot at stake. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they wish that they played better too, but, um, sometimes you just, you just catch a night like that. And, um, Texas tech certainly played great. Um, 
they shot the heck out of it. Anytime you make eight of 12 free throws, I think it might have even been, yeah, it was eight of 14 at halftime, but they made eight of their first 12. I'm yeah. sorry, three pointers. Um, you know, what, what are you supposed to do with that? It, you're supposed to guard it. I realize that. Um, but, but they made it in a bunch of different ways, and KU struggled guarding it in a bunch of different ways. They were slow with their closeouts. Um, Furphy fouled a guy on a three point attempt. Uh, there were open looks. Uh, and then, of course, there were guarded looks, too, and they, they just made a bunch of them. So a lot of it was the adrenaline and the emotion and, and everything happening in that building, and it's, it's just really hard to, to account for that when you're shorthanded. So, you know, and it, again, it wasn't just with being without Kevin. You're, you're talking about your point guard on a bad ankle. You're talking about your big guy with, you know, some ongoing and lingering soreness in his, in his lower body or whatever it is. So, you know, they, they need a break right now. They, they need a break, and, and they're going to get one. They, they play Saturday at OU, and then they don't play again until the following Saturday. So, you know, that, that can help. But um, this is a team that's, uh, that's definitely going through a, a heck of a grind right now, and, and I think they just need to find a way to come up for, for air and, and, and then resettle and, and take it to the home stretch from there. So they will. Um, doesn't mean that it'll look great. Obviously, their their issues on the road continue, and and that's a that's a real problem right now. Yeah, I remember having this conversation going back to the even before conference play started about who was the most important player on the team. Not necessarily who was the best. I mean, I think you know, obviously, when you have a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who was the best player in the transfer portal, but who was maybe the most important? I remember thinking to myself and having this argument on the show that hey, I think Kevin might be the most important guy. Do you, do you think now, after having maybe seen some games without him, that Kevin Kevin might actually be the most important player to this team if they want to, you know, make a make a deep run in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it seems fair to say that now. Um, you know, I, I'll say this too: I don't know that they would have won even if he played last night um, because Kevin has has struggled with some efficiency things and you know hasn't shot the ball great lately either. So you know that that doesn't mean he's in there. They win, but. He's a veteran guy that you know what you're going to get from on both ends of the floor. Um, he brings a, a little bit of a calming presence to the rest of those guys. I think, you know, Hunter drew a lot of attention last night, and I don't know that he would draw that much attention if Kevin's out there. Um, a bunch of Jayhawks threw the ball to Dewan late in the clock saying, hey, you go make a play. You go shoot the ball. You go take a shot. And that's not Dewan's game. That's that's what you do with Kevin a lot, right? And he will take those shots. Doesn't mean he always makes them, but he is willing to take them. And, and a lot of times he can get to the free throw line. And so the whole thing just kind of trickles down from there. And and so yeah, I I, I don't know that I would have thought that before. I'm sure if you had asked, and maybe you guys did ask, but but if you had asked me before, I don't know that I would have said Kevin. But it's pretty hard to argue it right now. Um, and and you know the other thing about last night is. It was just a perfect storm, right? I mean, in some ways, maybe that's a good thing. Um, what are the odds that, that on the same night, KJ, Hunter, and Dewan are going to be, you know, have their worst shooting nights of the year? You, you know, you could probably survive one of those guys doing it, and, and it's fair to even expect that's going to happen. But to have all three of them do it, I think they were, what, five for 30 combined? Um, the, the, the odds of that happening on the same night are, are crazy and uh and there yet yeah, there it was and 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 it really affected them i mean hunter and kj couldn't buy a bucket inside you guys saw that so um you know maybe maybe that's good maybe it's good they all had their bad shooting night together at the same time 
on a night you probably weren't going to win anyway because maybe now that's that's a thing in the past and and you can move forward. But th- yeah, there's a lot of work to be done still, but there's also still a lot to like about this team. So um, you know, it, it, I know everybody's hurting today. I know the fans are, are pretty furious, but um, and I'm sure the players are too. But you know, it's it's the perspective that that you just got to take that deep breath and and figure out where you go from here because it doesn't do any good to kind of sulk and and continue to worry and dwell on this one. That doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, you mentioned Hunter Dickinson there, and, and of course his, he really struggled in this game against Texas Tech. But this is now three consecutive games where he's been pretty inefficient, especially at the rim, and it sort of culminated in this one going 2 of 12. Uh, what do you think he needs to do to, 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 to shake that off and, and get back to kind of what we've been seeing from him previously in the season where he had been so efficient and a guy you could really just go to and you know that he was going to get up a, a high-quality shot and, and, and score? Yeah, well, two things. Number one, you saw the head coach you know, go off about the physicality uh, both on the court and, and in the post game. Um, obviously, he's a little bit upset with the way teams are getting away with Bump and Hunter, and 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 you know, vice versa. He, I thought it was important that Self pointed out that you know this isn't just me whining about us not getting calls. I think he sees it across the league that that they're letting physical play go way more than he would like or that other coaches would like, and and it's impacting the game and it's affecting players and things like that. So. That's part of it, and you got to find a way to play through that. And I think one of the easiest ways for Hunter to play through that is start making a jump shot again. Um, you know, he's really struggled from the, behind the three-point line over the past few weeks. I think now uh, he threw up. Wasn't it an air ball last night? I didn't have the greatest angle on on yep. it, but it sure looked like it didn't hit anything. Yep. And um, you know, I don't know that he has much confidence in that shot right now. But he's a great shooter. He's got a great stroke, and I, I think if you're struggling with the physicality and the contact and you know there's no guarantee that just because self went off last night means they're going to start changing the way they call it i mean it, it may be the opposite they, they may say to hell with you uh we're, we're going to do it the way we do it and i don't care what you say hall of famer you know who knows um that's part of what i wrote about though in in uh in my biggest takeaway story that's leading our site right now it's kind of like let's look look a little closer at what that technical and the ejection was all about and uh some interesting stuff in there for sure. But, but anyway, getting back to the question, I, I think, you know, if, if, you, if you're struggling around the rim, which he clearly is, you know, knock down that mid-range shot. And then, yeah, maybe you get, get your confidence back. And, and, and you also have a chance to, you know, get, get some momentum going from there. But uh, one other thing, and I'm glad you talked about the, the Bill self-ejection, because I did kind of want to have a, a, a bigger conversation about that. You, you think about – what's happened over the past week and a half or so where Kelvin Sampson gets ejected, Scott Drew, and then Bill Self. I mean, you're talking about Scott Drew and Bill Self, two of the longest-tenured Big 12 coaches in this conference, right? And Kelvin Sampson, obviously, while Houston is new to the conference, Sampson is one of the most respected coaches as well. Uh, do, do, you get, do you get the sense maybe that this is coaches acting out because they're not feeling like they're, they're being heard, I guess, in other ways, maybe behind closed doors, and they feel like this is the best way to try to say, hey, we are not happy right now with the way uh, this, this is, things are going? Sure. Yeah, I think I, I think it's it's a, a very real possibility. Um, I also think it's it's you know for my money, it's one thing for Bill Self to be upset when his team has five losses, which they're not used to having at this point in the season. It's another for Scott Drew to be upset because Scott Drew, well, most people think Scott Drew is always upset, but when you have all of them, and and look, this goes back to Jamie Dixon, the first Big Twelve game of the year. Um, between Kansas and TCU and Allen Fieldhouse, 
he was talking about the officials telling him, hey, you guys can't say anything, right? You remember the elbow to, to Hunter Dickinson's um, head or mouth or whatever from Ernest Uday. You know, they already were hearing from the, the league office and the officials at that point that, you know, let's, let's, we're not going to complain about anything. This, you guys aren't allowed to do that. And I think that for a while they bit their tongues and you're starting to see some of that frustration boil over. And so I think the fact that it's a collective thing, the fact that it's, it's, it's Scott Drew, national championship coach, uh, Kelvin Sampson, you know, one of the great coaches of the past several few decades, uh, Bill Self, Hall of Famer, two-time national champ. I mean, these aren't just guys that are, that are yelling and screaming, trying to be recognized. These are guys that are established, veteran, really, really good head coaches, and they're all frustrated about the same thing right now. So to me, that is the biggest indicator that there's a real problem. Does it mean wholesale changes need to happen? Does it mean that the, the Big 12 needs to just bow down and say, you're right, sorry, we'll fix it? No, by no means does that need to happen. But they do need to be open to seeing this and hearing this and understanding, okay, maybe we do have a problem here if these three guys, and then, you know, Jamie Dixon's another veteran coach who's, who's done a lot of winning and coached a lot of basketball. Um, if, if those types of guys are seeing it the same way, you know, to, to me, that just means you have to listen. You don't, again, you don't have to change everything, but, but maybe you tweak something here or there. Maybe you change an emphasis, even if it's just for a week to try to see if you can't level things back out and, and maybe bring some, some stability to the way things and consistency to the way things are, are called, you know, maybe that will help. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think Bill Self intent last night was to go crazy and, and, and make a real loud statement, but I think it was the, the product of, of weeks' worth of frustration boiling over and him finally saying, yeah, I, I can't bite my tongue anymore. I'm over this. And, you know, now we see where it goes from here. But if I'm a Kansas fan, I don't expect them to get any calls uh, on, on Saturday in Norman. I don't think that's just the automatic you flip the switch and now they're going to get every call. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, but, but what you hope for the entire league is that maybe – with these types of coaches, you know, putting it out there and sharing their frustration. Um, you'd hope maybe there's some consistency that comes in every game and, and on both sides and, and every way, but you know, everybody will tell you, right. Being an official is not easy. So it's hard to, you know, really attack those guys, but, but it does look like, it does look like the old big East out there. I mean, there, there's a lot of contact and a lot of times where you're expecting a whistle or players are expecting a whistle and, it's play on and, and, you know, nobody's head fell off. So we're going to just keep playing. And, and there's something to like about that, you know, but there's also some frustration that comes with that. With Kevin McCullers injury and him continuing to miss games, you mentioned how KU's going to have a stretch coming up where they're going to have some extended breaks. If he's not ready to go for Oklahoma, or if he's not, I guess I should say, if he's not a hundred percent for Oklahoma, would you consider just saying, Hey, you know what? We're just going to shut you down and give you a whole extra week before that Texas game. Would you, would you consider doing that? Absolutely. I, I'd do it in a second. And, you know, Kevin's competitive. Uh, I saw him last night after the game. And, you know, he, look, he's walking. He's walking around fine. He looks okay. But, you know, walking down the hall to the locker room is a totally different thing than trying to go play 40 minutes on a, on a, on a bad knee, jumping and having it get hit and all of those things, you know. So um, if you think that, that two more weeks would help, I, I, you know, yeah. And, and I don't know how two more weeks would hurt. Um, I would absolutely consider doing that because 
I, you know, I, I think self hinted at this a, a week or so ago. It, it, they want to win the Big 12. They were still in the race. They are still in the race. Um, they talked about having very little margin for error at that point, and now they have no margin for error. Um, there, there were some some very real things said about their sort of the the, the, the reality of their their position right now. But what I what I've sort of heard that I don't think I've heard very often from him is. We don't really even care about the Big 12 right now. Yeah, we want to win it. We're going to keep trying to do that. That's our goal every year, and, and that's important. But, you know, the biggest goal, and, and he articulated this maybe earlier or maybe more clearly than he has in the past, was we just want to get better and get better and get better every week so that by the time March rolls around, we're ready to roll. Because I do think this team believes in itself. I do think this team, when they're healthy and when everybody's, you know, able to play together, there's not a better starting five in the country and they're certainly capable of beating anybody in the country. And so maybe the goal is, yeah, let you know, who cares if we're the five seed in the big 12 tournament, who cares? Like, are we trending the right direction? Is our arrow pointing up? Do we feel like we're getting to becoming the team that we want to become so that we can take a run at this thing in March? And, and right now the answer is definitely not, you know, they're, 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 they're spinning their wheels a little bit. They're, they're all over the track and, and they're really struggling um, to find that. But part of that is injuries, right? And, and part of that is the talent and, and quality of these other teams they're facing. So if you think two weeks will we'll get him to a better place, then I wouldn't even hesitate to do that. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I know he wants to play. It's probably killing him. But um, that'll be a very interesting thing to see this weekend because um, two weeks is a long time. Two weeks is you can get, get really get some rest. You can really get some, some, uh, some work done on, on that injury. And so I, I think that that's something that, that they, they should and probably are really considering. Talking with Matt Tate here of all one one Sports. Matt, you know, there also happened to be a, another pretty big game over the weekend uh, on the uh, on the gridiron, on the football field, with the uh, with the Chiefs winning the, uh, winning the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw, though, it was John Elway who presented the uh, the Chiefs with their trophy. How, how did you feel about that? Yeah, that was a rough one, you know, um, <laughs> because, because uh, well, as I said on, on Twitter shortly after the game, um, fabulous game. I mean, if if you're not a hater or a lover of either of those teams, it was the perfect Super Bowl because there was no stress, there was no frustration, there was no heart attack moments, right? If you're just a football fan and you just wanted to watch. If you're a hater or a lover of either of those teams, it was probably agony um, mixed with the the great game that it was and a lot of excitement and, and some really, really good moments and, and high-quality football. So I love the game. Congratulations to Chiefs fans. That's that's pretty damn cool. Um, and and you know you got to enjoy every second because those championship windows open and close so quickly in that league, especially. So, first of all, phenomenal game and and phenomenal season. Hell of a team. Hell of a run. I mean, just incredible. They deserve all the love they're getting, uh, as much as I hate to say it. But yeah, to see <laughs> our guy, to see John Elway out there on the field. Being a part of that, uh, that was, in my, in my opinion, completely unnecessary. And I have no problem with the NFL asking him. I mean, because Larry Zonka was there too, right? And, and those are two former uh, Super Bowl MVPs. It's a thing they've done lately, right? And, and uh, the concept is very cool. But look, 
put your ego away, John. There's no reason for you. You could say no, and they'd move on to the next guy. Do you really need your face to be all over everywhere just so people love you and remember you? That's you know, that's your rival. There's no way. There's no way that I'm handing that thing out if I'm him. Um, I would say thank you very graciously, and I appreciate you thinking of me. But you know, hey, find somebody else. I'm busy. You don't even have to say you don't want to do it. You say I got I got plans. I can't make it. Whatever you have to do. Um, of course, you know now that now that Taylor Swift made it for that game, nobody's nobody's I'm busy plans really really fly anymore. At least not for multi-millionaires, you know, because if she can get back from Tokyo for that game, anybody can get pretty much anywhere if they've got that kind of money. So, um, yeah, it, it was tough, though. I appreciate you bringing it up because I, I had kind of moved past it, and, and as you can hear by me still talking about it, it's... Uh, no, I, didn't, I didn't mean to bring up any, uh, you know, old scars. It's not something that I'm over. It's, I, you know, I thought that was I thought that was ridiculous that, that his ego is so big that he had to be out there for that. Uh, if hey, you could even do a contingency thing, he could say, "Hey, absolutely! If the Niners win, I'll be there." Kyle Shanahan was a ball boy in '97 when I won it. I would love to give him the trophy and blah blah blah. But you know, if the Chiefs win, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, catch my Uber ride early and get out of town. So you know, he could have even done that and and sort of hedged a little bit. But but no, there he is handing it to the to the Chiefs. So uh, I hope he's happy with himself. That's all I can say. He is Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports. Matt, of course, I appreciate your time as always. And apologies if I uh, if I unearthed some some things from the Super Bowl about the with John Elway. So, but appreciate your time. No, you're good, man. It's fun. It's it's part of what what <laughs> makes you know all those years of me giving it to Chiefs fans. Um, you know, if you can give it, you got to take it, and, and I'm certainly taking it over and over and <laughs> over right now. So, um, 23 is over. I'm glad. Thank God. Uh, right now, 24 season is is upon us, and you know everybody's 0 and 0. And and uh, right now, we got as good a shot as anybody does, even though we don't. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with that and and see what happens from here. But yeah, it's uh it, it sucks when football ends, man, because it's such a great season every year. There's so much drama and such such excitement, and uh, the playoffs are are just fabulous. So even though the the team that I didn't want to win won, um, good for them. It was a hell of a run to beat Miami, Buffalo, and Baltimore with the last two on the road and then go beat a really good San Francisco team. I mean, you know, I'd be foolish to sit here and try to even pretend to talk trash. It's it's upon us, man. The Chiefs are NFL's team, and and they're as good as anybody. And, uh, you know, my only hope now is – the quicker these months move by, the quicker we get to the end of it, whenever the end of it's coming. But I don't feel like it's coming anytime soon. So uh, I'll continue to dig in and brace for it. But, yeah, great run and, and great season, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. All right. Thanks so much, Matt. That is Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports. Thanks, man. All right, Nick. Take care, man. Thank yep. you. Thanks. That was Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports joining us here on the show on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We're going to be talking more about the Chiefs and a little bit about the Royals coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Get to some audio post-game, and also we're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty coming up later on in the show. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, and it's that time on a Tuesday. We are joined by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Kevin, thanks so much for hopping on the show here. It was a, a pretty ugly game last night for Kansas, to say the least, as they lose to Texas Tech 79-50. to 
as you're kind of watching that game unfold, just what what was your initial reaction uh, after that after that concluded? Yeah, I think you know the first half when it happened, you felt pretty blessed to only be down nine, right? I mean, we, when you look at how well Texas Tech was shooting from three, I think they were what eight for fourteen in the first half, and yeah. then when you looked at, at how much Kansas was struggling, I, I think Dewan Harris. Uh, Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams were something like three for 19 between them in the first half. If either one of those happened, you would have said Kansas would be down double digits. And the fact that both of them happened, they were still only down nine. It was one of those things where, where you kind of felt like, okay, they're, they're there. If the next 10 minutes go well, you know, they could maybe make a game of this thing. But at the same time, you worried about the legs because Kansas, when they when they beat Baylor, you know you had seven scholarship players, had only seven scholarship players again, and those guys were playing their their second big game, you know, in, in three days, and and sure enough, that that's kind of what happened. You know, Kansas scores eight points in the first ten minutes of the second half. Texas Tech kind of runs away and hides, and Kansas fades down the stretch. So it, it was a pretty pretty ugly result. Uh, at the same time, it, it's one that you know you're you're kind of happy now. You have you have those five days or so before you take on Oklahoma, and then you get a full week's rest. So you're hoping that uh, that some of the guys who are dealing with some nagging things can can start to get a little bit better and, and possibly charge up for a March run. Yeah, I think obviously you knew even way ahead of time. You know, going back to December, that this this particular four game stretch, right, the Houston, K State. Baylor Texas Tech stretch was going to be very difficult, and I think back in December, if you just said, "Hey, go, if you go two and two in that stretch, you probably that you probably would take that." But when you couple that with the fact that kind of how the games have gone and how Kansas has lost, plus you know already losing some games early in the season to West Virginia and West Virginia and uh, UCF, it, it makes this one sting a little bit more. Do you, do you feel the same way about that? Do you feel like I guess t- to that extent, KU maybe is, is out of the Big Twelve title race at this point? Yeah, I don't know that they're quite out of it, but they need to basically be perfect and get some help, pretty much. And and that that's so difficult to say that that's going to happen. And I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. You know, it's not it's not necessarily that hey, this stretch has gone really poorly. It's that hey, you know, you kind of needed to win that Kansas State game. You know, when it was sitting there and you're up 11 in Manhattan and everything else, you needed to close that game out. When you're up double digits against UCF at UCF, you needed to win that game. And you needed to win at West Virginia. Those are games that you were counting on where heading into this stretch, you kind of felt like, okay, if Kansas drops a couple games here, that's going to be okay because you thought that Kansas would, would pass those other tests. And the fact that they didn't, you know, it, it eliminated that margin for error. And now Kansas is, is pretty behind the eight ball. Yeah, and, and when you look at Hunter Dickinson in this game specifically, this is now really his third consecutive game where he's shot under 50%, and this game obviously was much worse at 2 for 12. I guess, uh, what, what do you think changed for him to be kind of in this rut that he's in, and, and how do you think he can work himself out of it back to being the, the – mm-hmm the efficient producer that we've seen him be earlier in the season. Well, I think Bill Self would tell you what happened last night. You know, it was, uh, it was kind of funny, you know, the, it, it looked like, and I'm not a lip reader, but it looked like he was basically making the point that his player had gotten fouled, you know, several times, uh, before, uh, before that point with no call. And, and it, it's funny. And I, I tweeted about this, 
you know, last year's Kansas-Texas Tech game was an absolute mugging. And Kansas only shot four free throws in that game because the officials let both teams play. I think Texas Tech shot 12 free throws, even though it was a really physical game. And KU won anyway because KU was the more physical team. The fact that they let them play actually benefited KU more than it did Texas Tech in last year's game in Lubbock. This year, they let them play again, and they really, really let them play. I mean, it was one of those things where I think, you know, if you had different officials, you know, maybe even both teams would have been shooting 30 or 40 free throws. But they really, really let them play, and Kansas wasn't the more physical team. You saw K.J. Adams get the kind of looks that he's used to getting, and he didn't finish him. And you saw Hunter Dickinson getting looks, and, you know, the arms are getting smacked. You know, guys are in his chest. He, It's easy to say, hey, play through contact. It's not the easiest thing to do. But I do think that that impacted him against Texas Tech. I'm sure there's a little bit of, of tired legs there. Even beyond that, I, I think even the guys that are playing, obviously, you know, Juan with his ankle and – and I think just about everybody is probably nicked up to some extent. And then you add in how physical that game was and the fact that he wasn't given chances to, to kind of make that up at the free throw line. I think that contributed to it quite a bit. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Dickinson came out against Oklahoma after having a little bit more rest, you know, possibly getting a different called type of game if he winds up, you know, looking a lot more like the Hunter Dickinson we've been used to seeing. Yeah, I thought that Bill Self ejection was so fascinating. I think uh, his his Bill Self's exact words were that he used a some a magic word possibly too many times <laughs> that that got him tossed. But you know, I, I think it, it is interesting because you go back and uh, talking about this earlier in the show. You know, Kelvin Sampson gets ejected from a game, and then Scott Drew, and now Bill Self. You know, these are not young hothead coaches that are trying to make a name for themselves. These are experienced, tenured coaches in the Big Twelve. Is, is there some overarching theme here you think regarding the officiating the Big 12 that needs to change or what's kind of been what's kind of your takeaway from the, the thought that you've had some coaches and now it's culminated with Bill Self getting ejected that are seemingly having issue taking issue with the, the officiating yeah I know you have Michael Swain on your show and he's you know made it a point several times to bring up the you know the quote-unquote Big 12 coaches versus officials and it's certainly starting to feel that way doesn't it I mean it, when you look at the fact that Scott Drew is out here you know picking up the the things that he's picking up and getting ejected Kelvin Sampson's getting ejected Bill Self gets ejected you, you look at all of those different things and it's clear that there's there's a disconnect there at some point and I'm not you know, I'm not going to say the, the officials are perfect. They have a, a really, really tough job. Thank goodness it's it's them and not me doing it. Um, I'm not saying that, that the, the coaches are perfect either, but they need to start getting on the same page about, hey, this is how things will and should be called. You know, they need to start getting on the same page with technicals. Hey, this is what we're going to allow out here. This is what we aren't going to allow to be called up here. You know, Matt Norlander had his article earlier this year that looked at how far coaches were getting out of coaching boxes. And, you know, the fact that Shock is Smart is basically out there trying to block shots <laughs> and stuff as an extra defender. And you see, you know, some bounce back to that almost where it seems like Big 12 refs are, are starting to really enforce, even when a coach has a foot outside of that zone or, 
or something else. And, and so I don't know what the specific deal is or if it's just one of those things where it's just it, it's added up and added up and added up, and now it's this untenable situation. But they need to come together. They may need a mediator or, or something, but it definitely does appear that there's a major disconnect between the league's coaches, the league's referees, and how Big 12 games should be officiated right now. Over the past two weeks, you look at what Kansas has done. At home on a Saturday, they've won. They've gone on the road on the Monday and lost. When you think about the NCAA tournament and the fact that you're you're going to be playing that same pattern, right, on a game on either Friday, Friday, Sunday, or Thursday, Saturday, that, does it concern you at all that it feels like Kansas has maybe not necessarily had the legs to keep up in those in those uh, second games that they played against Kansas State and Texas Tech, or do you feel like the, just the fact that it was they were on the road maybe that impacted it? Or I guess the, the bigger bigger question here is. Do you feel confident that KU can win a second game of a weekend, whether it's in the second round or in the Elite Eight to try to get to a Final Four, just based off of what you've seen from them these past two weeks? Yeah, I think there are going to be some other factors there. You know, like we've talked about before, the commercial breaks are longer. You know, I think halftime is a little bit longer. It's a little bit easier to play with fewer players uh, in March Madness than it is during the season. And I think you're absolutely right. The travel does factor into it when you're – you're playing in a game and then you're you're traveling somewhere else even if it's just to Manhattan you know to to play your next game you know that's that's something that that does add up a little bit obviously even beyond that you know you're you're having other games and it's a cumulative deal whereas you know when you have the Big 12 tournament you get basically a week off before your first game so you have some time to heal up and things like that i do think that there, there's a very real scenario here that that you're bringing up, though. That you know you have to win two games in three days to go to the Sweet 16. You have to win two games in three days again to go to the Final Four. And you know this is a team that, because of their lack of depth, you know it, it makes it really tough for them to do that. And I, I think, quite frankly, even beyond the second game in three days. I think you see them tire out in single games sometimes where you see them, you know, burst and kind of look really good. And it's okay. Kansas is, is up 13. You know, this situation is going really well. You know, the players take a little bit of time off. Maybe they, they don't have that same intensity or they have to rotate through bench players because of fatigue reasons and, and things like that. And all of a sudden, that thirteen-point lead becomes a five-point lead, and you're, you know, you're in for the fight of your life. Very little comes easy to this Kansas team, and I think the biggest reason why is that lack of depth right now. Yeah, when we look at the lack of Kevin McCuller, kind of what you alluded to there with the in the Texas Tech game, I remember we had this conversation a while back uh, in, in non-conference play about who is the most important player on this team. Do you think after what we've seen from KU without Kevin McCuller that maybe it's easy to make that case to say, hey, Kevin McCuller is the most is the most important player on this team if they want to make a run for a national title? You know, it, it's funny because with the starting lineup being the way that it is, I'm not sure you can pull any of those guys out a whole lot more than somebody else, right? Like, if Johnny Furphy isn't making shots or if Johnny Furphy rolls his ankle – there's a gap between Johnny Furphy right now and the guy who's going to come in and replace him, whether you want that to be El Marco Jackson or whether you want that to be Nick Timberlake. You know, if Dewan Harris goes down, obviously we saw a little bit of that against Baylor, 
But Kansas right now doesn't have the point guard play if Dewan Harris goes down. KJ Adams, I think, especially against elite competition, you look at that UConn game, and you know Tristan Newton shot making aside, KJ Adams is arguably the best player on the floor in that game, and so he's so vitally important, you know, in that regard. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson's a great player. I do think. When you're looking at two-way impact, uh, I think that it's Kevin McCullough. And, you know, I I said last night, uh, you know, I I tweeted it out that a lot of people were going to mention that Kansas missed, you know, Kevin McCullough's scoring. And, of course, he's leading the Big 12 in points per game. But I thought they really missed his toughness. And, you know, I can't see... Williams scoring 30 points, getting 11 rebounds, and shooting 12 for 12 from the field. If Kevin McCullough is out there to to body him up, to bother him with his length, and and do some of the things that McCullough is able to do, in addition to the scoring and rebounding and things that he brings. And so he's probably the biggest two-way guy as far as that goes. But I think every one of those five starters – you're looking at a major drop-off if you pull this guy out and say, hey, you know, for the first round of the NCAA tournament, Hunter Dickinson can't go because he has a sprained ankle. I think you'd be looking at that as, oh, gosh, like this is this is a tough situation right now. Yeah, and in, and in terms of maybe some silver linings or positives from this game against Texas Tech for Kansas, Nick Timberlake ends up 5-7 from the floor, 2-4 from 3, and scores 13 points. Do you feel like maybe he's slowly but surely starting to get to a spot where he can be relied on just a little bit more, you think? You know, assuming you get Kevin McCuller back, maybe he's a guy that you can look to a little bit for scoring off the bench? Yeah, I think so. You know, how many times has Kansas won a Big 12 title or, or gone deep in the NCAA tournament and you bring up a certain role player's game like, oh, that was the Jamari trailer game or whatever, <laughs> where where one player, you know, performs a little bit better than than what you would expect given that, that circumstance. You know, Nick Timberlake is a guy that is possibly going to be able to decide whether or not Kansas goes to the Sweet 16 because – you're in that second round game. You're trying to maybe get a few guys rolling through a little bit more because of legs. Nick Timberlake could get three three pointers in that game, and if he makes all three, maybe you advance. And if he misses all three, maybe you don't. And I think that that's a lot of pressure to to put on one guy. But at the same time, right now. Or, or at least as of like a week ago, Kansas didn't have that guy on the bench that you felt like, okay, he's going to make the most out of this opportunity in this situation when it when it comes his turn. And I, I think the one thing that Nick Timberlake has done, you know, if you leave out the the final thirty seconds of the Baylor game, but include the rest of the Baylor game and then the Texas Tech game, uh, I think it's the sort of thing that you're able to look at it and feel pretty good about. Okay. When it's Nick Timberlake's time, when he has to make a play, you know, there's there's a reasonable amount of confidence that, hey, he, he's got that ability, he can get this thing done. And I think that's something that's that's relatively new. Yeah, I think it's interesting you bring up that last 30 seconds of the Baylor game. I, I almost wondered yesterday if, because of the way the game ended and how upset Bill Self was post game, if maybe El Marco wouldn't have gotten the start last night against Texas Tech as a message to Timberlake. But Bill Self kind of went back to him, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, okay, you're actually this is probably a better situation because you're showing some positive confidence in him, even after you know, kind of a for lack of a better term, a, a debacle in the Baylor game. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look all year long and you listen to the way that Bill Self has has talked about Nick Timberlake, when you look at the way that he's tried to get him playing time in certain situations, I think Bill Self has looked at Nick Timberlake and said, okay, if we're going to get to where we need to be, you know, this is a guy that we're going to need to get something from. And so I thought it was a really good move to to go right back to Nick after that situation at the end of the Baylor game. You have to think with the way that went, you know, nobody felt worse about it than he did. Uh, And when that happens, a lot of times you can trust players to – to not make the same mistakes again because they they don't want to be put into that same situation again. And so it was encouraging to see just two nights later even, you know, the amount of the amount of trust that Bill Self was putting into Nick Timberlake. Kansas is going to take on Oklahoma on Saturday. They got some extra time to sort of rest up here. I guess uh, just what what are you maybe hoping to see most from Kansas going into that game against uh, the Sooners? Yeah, I think that Kansas has some matchups that they can exploit against Oklahoma. I think you saw that, you know, when when Oklahoma came to Allen Fieldhouse. And, you know, we just talked about Hunter Dickinson. I think Dickinson is a guy that can play really well against Oklahoma because they don't really have a great matchup for him. And that doesn't just open him up for scoring. That opens him up in terms of, hey, if, if Oklahoma has to send doubles, if they have to do different things, it opens up cuts and shots and passes and things like that that, that you can play off of him. And so I'd like to see Hunter Dickinson rebound you know, in a major way against Oklahoma. I think that's a game where because of the personnel, he really has a chance to do so. And I think, you know, if he passes the ball well as well when he gets those chances, you know, then then Kansas could have a shot to pull out a, a pretty big road win, especially uh, a much-needed road win with the way things have been going lately. He is Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Kevin, appreciate your insight as always. Thanks so much for popping on today. All right, thanks for letting me. All right, that was Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down one to go. We're going to dive a little bit more into our KU basketball takeaways from Kansas losing against Texas Tech, and then we'll hear from Bill Self post game as well coming up in the five o'clock hour. Don't forget also you'll be able to hear Hawk Talk with Bill Self tonight as well coming up after the show from six to seven right here on KLWN. This is RCST on FM one hundred one seven and thirteen twenty KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Nick Springer from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch services can help you stay loose and limber and clear your mind and help your body. Their total body stretch services are completely customizable. All you have to do is sit back, relax, and breathe deep while they help you through the guided stretches. So if you've been dealing with aches and pains, be sure to check out Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Olathe. 5 o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Coming up here later on in the hour, we're going to get to some Bill Self audio. Don't forget, you'll be able to hear Bill Self as well on Hawk Talk tonight after the show right here on KLWN from 6 to 7. Kansas falls against Texas Tech on the road in Lubbock, 79-50. to It was a game in which Texas Tech came out red hot and Kansas could not respond. They got it to 9.5. That was about as close as KU got. And then in the second half, Texas Tech pulled away uh, in that game. Uh, we talked a lot about that with Matt Tate of All One Sports and Kevin Flirty of 24-7 Sports earlier in the show. 
If you missed any of that, you can check it out on the Best of RCST podcast anywhere you find your podcasts, including at KUSports.com, presented by Massage Envy. Let's get to our KU basketball takeaways from this game as Kansas loses against Texas Tech 79-50. Starting with the positives. That's right. Biggest positives of a game where you lost by 30. Shockingly, there are not that many. Uh, I think maybe the maybe the possibly the biggest positive is just the fact that nobody else really got any more hurt or any more banged up. It didn't seem like uh, Dewan Harris got any more hurt. I, I saw some people get a little upset late in the game that uh, KU still had some of their starters out there with like Dewan Harris. I think he was out there late in the game and KJ Adams. Uh, and my response is you don't you don't even really have enough guys off your bench that you can throw in there to get them all out. To be honest, uh, so uh, that that was a bit of an issue. But yeah, nobody getting hurt I think was probably maybe the biggest positive of this game, right? Because you were as going into it, Dewan Harris was banged up. Uh, you know, maybe Hunter Dickinson was possibly not 100 percent potentially, but uh, just it was nice to see everybody get out. Not any worse than when they went in, I guess, because now you do have a little bit of extra time before Saturday. And then you have a whole week the next week to really try to uh, rest up and get things going for KU down the stretch here in February. So that was probably the biggest positive for me. Uh, the next biggest positive, I'm going to throw Nick Timberlake in there. Nick Timberlake, 5-7 from the floor, 2-4 from three, scored 13 points. That tied for his season high for the season. He also scored 13 against Yale uh, back on uh, December 22nd. So it was tied for season high for Timberlake. Hit a couple threes, and uh, wanted to give him a little bit of a shout out there. I guess Johnny Furphy also ended up scoring 13 points as well for Kansas on four of eight from the floor. Just one of three from three though. Furphy has really cooled off from three, and uh, you know, kind of talk about the idea of a freshman wall. And Furphy is the guy that has maybe starting to hit that a little bit, which could be a concern for Kansas. You look at what he's done over his last three games. He is now. One for 13 from three over his last three games. He did go three of four from three against Houston uh, in the game before that. And then against Oklahoma State the week before, the game before, he was one of three. So his last three games, Kansas State, Baylor, and Texas Tech, he's really cooled off from the perimeter. But it feels like he's still making his impact and his presence known a little bit for the most part. Uh, the K-State game was a tough one for him. But uh, 13 points in this game for Furphy. So I'll give him a little bit of a shout-out. Had a couple nice dunks as well in the game. So uh, there you go. Shout-out to uh, Johnny Furphy. Now, on to the negatives, which, of course, there's a lot from a game like this, losing by 30. First off was just the, the three-point defense, right? I mean, Texas Tech starts seven, of eight, starts seven of seven from three. They finished the first half eight of 14. And, and again, they only ended up going 10 of 26 from three, which really doesn't seem too terribly bad. I mean, that's still uh, 30 over 38%, which is still pretty high. But when you compare that with the fact they started seven for seven, You'd think that's a big win, but uh, instead, it was a, it was not great for Kansas, especially early, and Darian Williams is a big part of that, going 4-4 from triple and 12-12 uh, of 12 from the field. So, And conversely, Kansas' three-point offense, just 3-16 of 16 in the game. You got two from Nick Timberlake, one from Furphy, but Dewan Harris goes 0-3. Dickinson tried two threes and went 0-2 as well. El Marco couldn't hit either, so the three-point, and again, kind of talked about this earlier in the show, but for a team, when you're a team that's not built to score from three, which, you know, three of 16 from three, that's lower than what Kansas has shot. And, but it's also in some case, in some situations, that's kind of what they've almost what they've been doing in some games. But when you combine that with the fact that Dickinson goes two of 12 from the floor, KJ Adams goes one of 10 from the floor, 
and Dewan Harris goes two of eight with no Kevin McCuller, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a hard time trying to score, and that's exactly what happened to Kansas in this game. As it was looking like it, they might not break fifty in this game, but they just barely did, which leads into the second biggest negative I thought from this game, which was scoring at the rim, and that goes back to your two post players, Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams, who have just been unable to get anything to go from inside and. And uh, I thought it was interesting to get the insight from, Kev- from Kevin Flaherty about the the physicality of the game and that maybe impacting Dickinson's ability to try to score at the rim uh, along with K.J. Adams. But really, really tough night for those guys to both struggle as much as they did. I mean, again, you look at Hunter Dickinson. He had not been lower than f- basically 45% from the floor in any game. He's now been under 45% in three consecutive games against Kansas State, Baylor, and Texas Tech. And obviously against Texas Tech, Two of twelve. That's sixteen, seventeen percent from the floor. So, scoring at the rim was was a big negative for Kansas, which is surprising because obviously that's that's been a real strength for them. That's been a real strength for them is has been going inside and being able to score that way. And, and again, when you're not when you're already not built to score from three, and then you have a very difficult time scoring at the rim on top of that, it uh, it really really puts you in a bad spot. And that's that's what happened with Kansas uh, in this game. Uh, I also just think another big negative is just kind of handling handling the pressure of of, of road environments. Uh, this was a game where where again I kind of talked about it. I, I got the sense that yeah, this was this was a tired team. This was a bit of a banged up team, and but I got the sense that it was more than that. that there was some real shell shock, some real kind of stunned looks on the faces of guys like Hunter Dickinson at times in this game, and that that's that's concerning. Now, obviously, in terms of the NCAA tournament. That's not a problem because you're going to be playing on neutral courts and you shouldn't, it's, you know, you're, you're I mean, let, let's face it, you're, the, the type of environments Kansas is going to be playing in the NCAA tournament are going to be much, much more, more mild-mannered and probably easier to deal with. But in terms of on the road in the Big 12 and true road games, it's not a good sign if you if you continue to struggle and, and you really have a hard time dealing with, with, uh, with road environments. And this was an amped-up Texas Tech environment, certainly. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was another negative rebounding also was another big one. And I think rebounding is one of those stats where you can look to and say, and point out if a team is tired or not. And that's shown here. Kansas was minus 16 on the glass. Got it. Got out rebounded by 12 on the, on the defensive glass four on the offensive glass. So just a tough game, just a tough game in general for Kansas and really not a lot of positives to take away from mainly a lot of negatives uh, for KU in this game. So I thought rebounding was another big one for KU uh, in this game. And then, you know, you, know you, you go back to you go back to Dewan Harris, two of eight from the floor, couldn't hit from three. And that that is something to keep an eye on as well is Dewan Harris has to be able to consistently hit those three-point shots where the player goes under the screen. And if he can't, it's teams are going to continue to disrespect that, and that just causes more problems for Kansas. So that was a big issue uh, for for Kansas as well. Kansas actually ended up shooting the ball pretty well from the free throw line. They were thirteen of seventeen from the line for seventy seven percent. Pretty good, uh, pretty good night for them. They didn't turn the ball over a lot, but it didn't that didn't really matter when Texas Tech was making every shot uh, that they could. So yeah, that's some of the uh, biggest positives and biggest negatives from this game. Certainly, Kansas falls seventy nine to fifty against Texas Tech. A lot of negatives to take away and. And again, possibly maybe the biggest of them all is the fact that now you've really, really put yourself in a very, very difficult position to win the Big 12. 
uh, sitting at seven and five in the conference. You're one and five on the road, and you still have to go to Houston, to Baylor, and to OU as your last three home, three road games. I feel like it's going to be tough to even try to go two and one in that in those three road games. You know, might even be one and two might even be the more likely outcome at that point. Uh, which in that, that situation, you're looking at 11 and seven being your best finish that you could have in conference play. So, feels like feels like the Big 12 title is officially off the table. I think for Kansas at this point, it would take uh, quite a bit of a run for from the Jayhawks to uh, to turn things around. And you never want to count Bill Self out, but it is uh, not looking great right now for KU. But again, maybe this is a team as we kind of discussed throughout the show today that's maybe built for the NCAA tournament, built more for the NCAA tournament, and uh, can get things clicking. And get going there. Uh, in terms of a player of the game, I mean, I think I guess you got to look at Nick Timberlake or Johnny Furphy. Those are the only two guys that really did much in the game in terms of scoring. Both of them had 13 points. Uh, you got seven points from El Marco uh, off the bench on three to five from the floor. But yeah, one of those guys, Furphy or Timberlake. In terms of a play of the game from Kansas, a couple of dunks early from from Furphy. Uh, a couple dunks. Uh, Wilder Evers had the big block at one point in the at the end of the first half, but don't really want to give it to him. But yeah, I don't know. Not much of not much to choose from in a game like this where you really, really did just kind of get rocked pretty badly if you're Kansas. So the good news is KU will have some time to sort of bounce back here and try to regather themselves before they head down to Norman to take on Oklahoma, and uh, then they'll have a whole week to prepare for Texas back at Allen Fieldhouse uh, coming up uh, later on in the month of February. So. That's our KU basketball takeaways from this game. Kansas loses big against Texas Tech, 79-50. to Bill Self uh, spoke to the media after the game, had some uh, very interesting things to say about the ejection, about a little bit about officiating, a little bit about uh, some other stuff as well. We are going to get to that audio from Bill Self coming up on the other side, and uh, then we'll have RC3 play later on in the hour. And also don't forget, coming up right after the show tonight at 6 o'clock, you'll be able to hear more from Bill Self as we'll have Hawk Talk here uh, right here on KWN from 6 to 7 with Brian Haney and Bill Self. We'll take a timeout. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.